Hey, awesome people at Redeemer King. It's great to get some time to share with you today. And I want to talk to you today about the greatest privilege that we have to join in with what God is doing in the world. The most eternally significant thing that we can ever do. And how do we go about doing it? And, uh, I want to start in a very famous passage, which is called the Great Commission. It's in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus has died on a cross. He's risen from the dead. He's spent 40 days with his disciples, and now he's going to return to the Father. And he basically hands on the baton to them. He gives them their mission, their responsibility. And this is what he says. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you even to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission. And essentially, Jesus is saying to his disciples, I've called you to follow me. That's essentially what a disciple is. The word in the Bible is methetes. It means an apprentice, someone who every day is committed to apprentice, to become like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to feel like Jesus, to speak like Jesus. Basically, to be a follower of Jesus means that every day you're saying, Jesus, would you live your life through me as if you literally were me with with my skills, my passion, my strengths and my weaknesses, would you live through me to make a difference in the world, to see heaven break out in the world? So we're called to be disciples of Jesus who are learning to become like Jesus with the power and help of the Holy Spirit. And we're called to make disciples. We're helping other people become followers of Jesus themselves. And we don't do this in our own strength. Jesus has given us his power, his authority to do this. And he's with us in it. This is the Great Commission. To see people that we know, our friends and our family and our work colleagues and our neighbours come into a living relationship with Jesus, which is the most eternal significant thing that we can do. So how do we do this? How do we say yes to this? And what might the Bible teach us about this? Well, I want to share the story from the Bible and it's in Acts chapter 8. And it's in verses 26 all the way through to 40 in Acts chapter 8. And this story is going to tell us three things that uh, we can learn together about saying yes to Jesus. How God might work through us to see friends and family saved. And uh, this story uh, is about a guy called Philip. Philip was one of, uh, the, again, the followers of Jesus in the early uh, days of the church. In the book of Acts, Jesus says by now he's gone back to heaven. The Holy Spirit has come. The church is alive and active. People are starting to become followers of Jesus. They're seeing people healed. All manner of amazing things are happening. And uh, before we get to verse 26 in Acts chapter 8, this guy, Philip, he's been part of this amazing kind of spiritual awakening in a town called Samaria. Literally loads of people have been healed and saved and rescued and have said yes to Jesus. It's an incredible moment. And then into that, uh, this, this shift happens. And, uh, and it brings us to the very first point that I want to make. That if we're going to be people who say yes to Jesus, the first thing we've got to be open to are the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the nudges of the Spirit. Now, let me just read some verses. So this is, this is Acts chapter 8, verses 26 uh, through to 29. 
Now it says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so Philip started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And let me just pause for a second, because there are three promptings of the spirit from Philip in what we've read. So the first prompting is that Philip is told by an angel to basically leave Samaria and, uh, and head to somewhere else. And then the second prompting is the Holy Spirit says, leave Samaria and then go on the desert road to Gaza. Now, here's the thing. There were two roads from Samaria to Gaza. There's the desert road and there's the normal road, the kind of quick route, the best route, the safe route. Like, it just gives you a clue. The desert road doesn't sound like a good road to go on. And then we get the third nudge. Remember, this third nudge, this prompting, is that the Holy Spirit then says, go to that chariot and stay near it. I want to ask you today, are you willing to be interrupted by the Holy Spirit? Are you willing for the Holy Spirit to nudge you and say, go here, say this, go and see that person? Like, even if it doesn't make sense to you. Like, I, I, I remember some years ago getting on a train after I'd spoken in Brighton and I was returning from Brighton on the Thameslink line all the way back to Luton. It was a bit late at night. And as I got on this train, uh, I was on for about half an hour or so, and at Haywards Heath, this guy in his 30s got on the train, he sat next to me. He'd obviously had a little bit to drink, I could smell it on him, and, and before long we, we, we spark up this conversation. And, um, and I asked him you know, what he did, and he told me about his job, and then he asked me what I did, and I said, you know, well, I'm, I work for this Christian organization, and I've just come from telling young people about Jesus, and his eyes light up, and he starts to tell me about this spiritual experience that he had when he was involved in a car crash. Uh, and it was really serious, and he got really emotional, and he was tearing up, and. And I suddenly had this awareness, like it, I had this nudge where I felt like God was saying, hey, stay with this guy. You need to stay with this guy and hear his story. But the problem is because he'd had so much to drink, I don't know if you've ever been drunk, uh, I'm sure you haven't, or you've spoken to someone drunk, you know, they repeat themselves, don't they? they just kind of, and that's what he was doing. He kept repeating himself. He kept going back in the story. And, and I was waiting for him to get to this punchline of his spiritual experience so I could kind of come in with the Jesus story. All the while, we're getting closer and closer to Luton, which is where my car was. In fact, in, in Luton, there are two uh, railway stations. There's Luton Airport Parkway, which is the first one you come to when you're coming up north, and that's where I was. And there's Luton Central, which is the next one up, and then the train goes on to Bedford. And he'd already said that he was going to Bedford. And as I got closer and closer to, to Luton Airport Parkway, again, he just kept repeating this story, not getting to the punchline, but he was emotional. And, and, I, and, I, and I could feel like, oh, I could feel that nudge of the spirit saying, just be with this guy, be with this guy. And so we arrive at Luton Airport Parkway and the, the train doors open and I, and I have this moment where I think I need to stay on the train. And so I said to him, look, I, I, this is my stop. I, I'll stay with you to the next stop so you can finish the story. 
and he was so grateful and uh, and then i said you know i'll get the train back to luton airport parkway and so he said yes and then he begins the whole story again i'm like oh no i can't believe this and and we get to Luton Central and the doors open and, and I get up and I say, look, I'm really sorry, I've, I've, I've got to go. And I gave him my business card and I said, but call me, I'd love to finish off this story. And he looked absolutely gutted. And I remember getting off the train and, and watching as the train went off into the distance. It was about quarter to midnight, it was dark, it was cold, no else on the platform. And as I watched this train head off into the distance with this guy on it, I remember asking the Lord and just saying, God, where are you in this moment? And I felt like the whisper, not like an audible thing, but in my soul, in my mind, in my thoughts, I felt like God whisper back, I'm on a train going to Bedford. Where are you? And it was one of those moments where I was just like, oh, I missed it. I, I was more concerned about my own agenda, my own priorities than, than willing to respond to the nudge of the spirit, even if I wasn't sure it really was him because the guy never contacted me. I never heard from him again. And to this day, I wonder what might have happened if I'd have been obedient to that moment where heaven invited me to join in with what God wanted to do, to bring comfort and help and hope to someone else. I want to encourage you, if you're going to be someone who says yes to the Great Commission and yes to Jesus and bringing people into relationship with Jesus, we need to be open to those nudges of the Spirit. We need to be obedient to those nudges of the Spirit. We need to be men and women who basically wake up in the morning and say, whatever you're up to, God, count me in. Would you nudge me and show me and direct me, interrupt me, disrupt my day so that I can be involved in what you want to do to bring God's healing and help and salvation and rescue into the lives of the people around me, people I know, but even complete strangers on a, on a train when you prompt me to do that. That's the first thing, the nudges, the promptings. The second thing that we see from this story, the importance, number one, of promptings of the Spirit, and but secondly, the importance of proximity, the importance of being close to other people. Because notice again what we just read, verse 29, it says the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then the beginning of verse 30 says, then Philip ran up to the chariot. Now notice that when the Spirit says to Paul and um, says to Philip sorry go to that chariot and stay near it the Greek word that's used here literally means be very close fasten yourself glue yourself but remember it wasn't to the Ethiopian man it was to the chariot it was like basically God was saying get close to the environment of this person be in the proximity like don't step into their personal space but be close close enough where they can reach out to you if they want to. It's so important that we are close to people who need Jesus. And that's one of the challenges for us today is that like sometimes, you know, when we become Christians, we can end up spending all of our time just with Christians and that we lose our relationships with non-Christians. But time and time again, Jesus commands us to go to intentionally put ourselves in close proximity, to get close to people who do not know Jesus so that we can connect with them. And so we've got to be intentional about this. When you think about it, I bet you know loads of non-Christians. And for those of you who are on social media, think about all of your contacts, all of your friends. Uh, think of where you live, your neighbours. Think about 
the people that you work with. Think, think about the, the people who serve you coffee. The reality is, if we think about it, there are loads of connections we already have. The issue is not so much that we don't have those connections. The issue is that we don't own the fact that we have those connections. But we want to be the kind of people that are intentional about putting ourselves in a position where we're close to people so that we can hear their needs and that we can respond accordingly. And then the story goes on. I'm going to read a longer bit now. So it says, verse 30, Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. And he's quoting now from Isaiah. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him, the eunuch, the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip, however, appeared at Azotus, travelled about preaching the gospel in all those towns until he reached Caesarea. We follow the promptings of the Spirit. We're committed to proximity, to get up close uh, into the environment where, where people are, where God has planted us. And the third thing, the final P, is that we recognise that there is a process of people coming to faith. There is a journey of people coming to faith. Like, notice what, pe- what Philip does in this story. He, he positions himself next to the, next to the Ethiopian and, and, he, and he hears the guy reading and he starts the conversation with a question. Do you understand what you're reading here? And, and that's always a great thing to do with people, to, to begin with questions. Sometimes we want to jump in, but we want to start with questions. We want to start where they are, not where we want them to be. It, it means that we need to be better listeners than we are speakers. Like, where are people at? What's their story? Like, what's God already up to in their lives? Like, most people, I think, recognize there is a spiritual side to life. What does that look like? You know, sometimes... Um, even the other day, uh, I had a guy coming to, to pick up some furniture that we were giving away free. And, uh, and as he was putting it in this van, he just started to tell me, never met the guy before. He just started to tell me that um, he, uh, he's got some like, he, he was like 39 years old and he's battling with rheumatoid arthritis. And he is a delivery guy, but he's going to have to stop doing that. And, uh, and in that moment, I felt a nudge as he started to open up about this story. But I didn't want to be weird. I just said to him, look... I'm someone who prays. I'm someone who believes that God cares and he answers prayer. How would you feel um, if, if I prayed for you? And amazingly, he said yes, because in my experience, most people, when you offer to pray for them, say yes. Either they're happy for you to pray for them there and then, or in his case, like as soon as he left, I said I would pray for him as soon as he left. 
but leading with questions like, what's going on? How can I help? How can I pray? Because Philip understood that it's a journey of people coming to faith. L literally, these guys are continuing. It's clear that when they're on the chariot together, they're journeying together. The chariot is moving. They're journeying together. Philip's asking questions, wanting to understand. Because Philip is a fellow traveler himself. He's still journeying with Jesus. He's still learning about his faith himself because we're all learning. We're all growing. None of us have got this thing figured out. And so when we come alongside people, when we embrace the proximity challenge, we recognize that then we're journeying with people. We've got our L plates on, we're figuring out this thing ourselves. We don't have all the answers. We don't come with all the answers. It's sometimes okay to say, we don't know, I'll come back to you on that question. We want to embrace the journey of faith with people. And that's what Philip does in this story. He's willing to journey with him. Now, in this case, it's great because it ends up with a guy becoming a Christian, being baptized, being uh, with a spiritual encounter, all happening in the great story. And that's great when that happens. But, you know, sometimes for us, as we say yes to the promptings and yes to the proximity, we're just going to play a small part in the journey of people. Sometimes we journey with people for years and sometimes it's just a moment. But every moment can count. I want to finish by telling you an example of that you know, in my life. Years and years ago, um, I was driving down to Dorset and I was due to speak at this, this church event and, um, and the traffic was bad. I'd set off really, really early and, and I was stuck in this single carriageway traffic through the country and up ahead I could see that there were two hitchhikers holding a sign. Now, I've never picked up a hitchhiker in my life, and I certainly didn't plan to, but I had a prompting. I had a nudge in that moment. I felt like God was saying, you need to pick up those people. And because I've never ever done it in my life, I was just like, no, I'm definitely not doing that. I am, I'm, I'm not gonna pick up those people. But it just wouldn't go away, this impression that it was important for me to do this. And so because I had a little faith, I, I said to God, God, um, I can't remember the name of the place actually in this moment where I was going to, but, but I basically said, Lord, if their sign basically says the name of the place that I'm going to go to, then, uh, then I'll, I'll recognize it's you and I will, um, I will stop and I'll get them in the car because then that's where I'm going. I'll take them. So I'm getting closer and closer. And as I get close, you guessed it. Literally the name of the place that I'm going to preach, the town that I was going to preach, it's on their sign. And so I think, oh God, you've set me up. So I, I, I pull over, they run up to the car and they get in. And it's, it's, a, it's a young guy and a young woman, probably in their early 20s. He gets in the front next to me, she gets in the back and we start to drive off. And, uh, and where we're driving to, I was about 15, 15, 20 miles away. And so we start to chat and they tell me they're from the Czech Republic and they're kind of hitchhiking all around the country and looking at various things. And, and again, it gets into this conversation, what do you do? And uh, this story, by the way, follows my story with Train Man, where I was more committed to follow the promptings of the spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we start talking about faith. And... Uh, he uh, was an atheist. He told me that like most of the people in the Czech Republic are atheists, but she was a Catholic, but her faith was lapsed. And we start to have this conversation about Jesus and, and about faith. And it's amazing. And I get this prompting, this nudge that the Holy Spirit is saying, 
Um, I really want you to journey with them. And it was at that point that he said to me that actually they didn't really want to go to the place they put in the sign. They were, gonna, they were hitching there and then they were going to put up another sign about the place that they really wanted to go to, which was another 10 or 15 miles away. And so then I was like, oh no, because I felt the Holy Spirit say, take them exactly to where they want to go. Take them all the way. And, uh, and again, my lack of faith kicked in and I found myself saying to God, okay, God, if you really, really want me to, to take them to this place, when I get to the next roundabout, then it, it needs to say exactly um, 15 miles to that place. And then I'll know it's you. And you guessed it. I get to the roundabout. I'm supposed to take a left at this roundabout to go to where um, I was originally gonna speak. And instead to go straight on is where they wanted and it was exactly 15 miles. And so in the end, I go straight over and they kind of look at me and they're a little bit sheepish and they're thinking, am I some kind of serial killer? But I'm like, relax, relax, relax. I said, I'll just take you all the way. And so this incredible faith conversation happens and, and eventually I, I take them all the way, putting them into a car park uh, where they wanted dropping off and they were desperate to give me some money. I was like, no, 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 and it's fine. I, I said, to, said to them, I just want you to do one thing. And in my boot, I had a box of Mark's Gospels, the shortest gospel, the, the paciest, fast-paced gospel. And I gave them both a copy of Mark's Gospel and said, the only thing I'd love you to do is read this, the story of Jesus, and maybe look into this Jesus for yourself, which they agreed to do. And then I dropped them off, and, uh, and then I just in time got back to where I was. Now, here's the point in that. I really believe, like in, my, in every fibre of my being, that was many, many years ago. In fact, that was 12 years ago now. I can see in my mind's eye that at some point, maybe in the past few years, who knows, those people in a church about to be baptised like this guy was. And they're telling their story. And they're saying that as part of the influence in their story, they met this crazy young guy called Matt who felt prompted by God he said at the time, to take them all the way. And he gave them a Mark's gospel and that stepped them into this faith journey of discovering Jesus. Because I recognize I just had a part to play in their journey, but it was important and I believed it made a difference. Friends, Jesus is inviting us into this great privilege of being good news loving people, caring for people, praying for people, serving people, introducing them to Jesus. And sometimes it will just be those moments when we just come across a complete stranger and the Holy Spirit's just saying, come on, put down your agenda, be in this moment with me and see what God might do. And maybe you'll just be just a part of their journey. You won't see fruit in that moment, but you just believe that what you did in that moment makes the difference. Or maybe your journey with a neighbour or a work colleague or a family member or, or a, a family member or a friend and your journey with them for years and years until they eventually say yes to Jesus. As Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, nothing that you ever do is a waste of time or effort. We are privileged to be involved with Jesus in the most eternally significant thing that we can ever do which is introducing people to Jesus. So I want to encourage you to say yes to the Great Commission, to say yes to the invitation that God gives to us, to be a person who responds to the prompting of the Spirit 
interrupt me, God, whatever you're up to today, that we're committed to proximity, that we're committed to get close and intentional with people who are not Christians and to seek to meet their needs and respond to the cry of their heart. And we recognize that that's a journey, which could just be a moment for some people, or it could take years or even decades, but that nothing we do for the Lord is a waste of time or effort. Be cheered on in this. Let me just pray for you. God, I pray for every single person who's listening to this message. I pray that despite whatever they think about themselves, their weaknesses, their inabilities to serve you well, that the reality is you only ever work with weak people who don't think they can do it because then you can. Would you fill all of those who are listening to me right now with your Holy Spirit and would you help them to be people of good news, light in a dark world, to bring your life into a world where there's too much death, to bring your love into a world when there is too much hate. Would you fill them with the power of the Spirit? Give them ears to hear those promptings. Give them a commitment to put people first and get close. And Lord, give them the patience to keep journeying through the process of people coming to faith. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. God bless you. Hope to see you soon.